This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of the Naz and Wally Sports Hour, heard Sunday mornings at 9 on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of the Naz and Wally Sports Hour, heard Sunday mornings at 9 on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. The Naz and Wally Sports Hour is a paid program. Opinions expressed on the show are those of Naz and Wally and their guests. From hockey to wrestling, football to golf, no sport left unturned. You're listening to the Naz and Wally Sports Hour on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. Good morning, Naz. Good morning, Wally. Neil, the boys are back. Let's talk sports. Good morning and welcome to the Naz and Wally Sports Hour, live from Liberty Village in downtown Toronto on the new AM740. Uh, I'm your host, Walter Rigabon, my co-host, Naz Marchese. Good morning, Naz. Good morning, Wally. How are you doing today? I'm doing good. Are you surviving this gloomy weather? How's your drive downtown this morning? Drive was brutal downtown. A lot of puddles, a lot of... Uh, be, everybody be careful out there, that's for sure. Be Especially careful. along the gardener. Fortunately, the weather's a little bit above freezing, so I didn't... Uh, but I hear some of the off-ramps are kind of dicey. So if you're out driving around right now, please be careful. Um, Naz and Wally Sports Hour, off the top. Uh, we've got some two interesting guests this morning for our listeners. Two legends, again. Uh, Le Grand Orange, the uh, original baseball star in Canada, Rusty Staub. He'll be with us shortly after our first break. And uh, middle of the hour, also another Hall of Famer. A legendary Montreal Expo broadcaster, Dave Van Horn. Uh, we're listening to some of his clips this morning. That certainly brings back a lot of memories. He called some incredible moments in baseball, that's for sure. And he's the current uh, play-by-play guy for the Florida Marlins. For the Florida also. Marlins, doing well down in Florida and uh, certainly uh, uh, a stellar career doing Montreal Expo broadcasts that we... Uh, we both watched, uh, certainly for uh, for the longest time, uh, then the Blue Jays came in, but uh, we were both big Expos fans when they came in in the late 60s. Yeah, they were Canada's team uh, back then until the Blue Jays came in in 77, but uh, I remember coming home from school and watching the first uh, game against the Mets that was televised on CBC, and, and they won 10-9. Yeah, certainly uh, some, some great memories will be talking Montreal Expos and Hall of Fame this morning with Rusty Staub and Dave Van Horn. Well, the one thing the Naz and Wally Sports Hour can never get away with, uh, get away from, sorry, is uh, talking about the Toronto Maple Leafs. Oh, uh, so they, they were pathetic I know, I, last I, night. I know, uh, I know oh. your blood. I, I'm going to hold you. I'm, I'm, I'm restraining you here this morning, Naz. Uh, I said in the New Year's I wouldn't <laughs> criticize the Leafs. <laughs> I'm going to have to criticize okay, the Leafs. Unfortunately, we got to we got to talk about the Leafs and uh, four out of five. They've lost the last four out of five. They haven't looked great. Uh, two two games in Florida that did that uh, they started off well and went sideways. Uh, caught up with them. Um, rebounded in the middle of the week against the Bruins. A great uh, good game against the Bruins in the middle of the week, and uh, I guess a couple of stinkers. Uh, Boston is not that good anyway. No, I, I, I've got a feeling they may not even make the playoffs. Yeah, and a couple of a uh, couple of well, I guess they you could say that they played they played well uh, Friday night against the Wild because they actually outshot for once <laughs> for, for for a strange occasion they actually yeah, outshot the other 35, team thirty five twenty nine. They uh, did outshoot them and. Like that. Uh, 
That was uh, Minnesota didn't look good either. Yeah, and uh, what you characterized last night as a can I say Naz pathetic performance? Is it that... was pathetic. And uh... you know, here's the, here the Leaf. You know, the Leaf Nation, Leaf fans are you know saying, "Oh, the Leafs played five games in seven nights." Winnipeg is missing their number one, number two, number three, and number four defensemen on their team. And you can't beat the Winnipeg Jets, who were lo- who had lost two in a row. Carlisle has had this team for over almost 190 games now, and the team hasn't changed one bit since he's been here. Don't you think it's time to get rid of this guy? Are we on the Are we on the Randy Carlisle? Uh, you see, you're starting off the new year in in fine style, Naz. Uh, I, uh, you're I, carrying over last year's uh, last year's grudge into this year. Are you uh, are you calling for Carlisle's? Uh, I've been calling for his head since last year. Is this is this is this an, a two, is this your first 2015 prediction? Well, it doesn't how long, how long doesn't does Carlisle look, last? Well, Shanahan is going to take him to the rest of the year. It looks like. To Interesting. Me. Shanahan was at the game last night, from what I heard. He was in he was, he was in Winnipeg. Maybe he's going to go behind the bench like Lou Lamarillo did with uh, Adam Oates and Scott Stevens. Well, you know, we've had we've had the Randy Carlisle discussion, and we're certainly going to have it. Uh, I, I, you know, these excuses with Leaf Leaf teams, and I don't, uh, and I don't, teams, want, and, I don't like, and I don't want to make excuses for them. But it's a long season. They had a good run before they went on this road trip. These road trips tend to, uh, you know, equal. I mean, the really important. Wally, thing, you're starting to give a, give g- up give excuses here. I'm not making excuses. I'm being uh, I'm being a realist here. Let's uh, let's uh, let's see what happens. They come back. Let's see what happens. They come back after their road trip. I think the month of January is going to be the key month for the Leafs this year. Um, you know, they're getting back into the, into a routine. Some home games. Let's see if they can turn it around. Uh, let's see if they can go on a little bit of a run. They're back. Wally, do you know where they go in on January twelfth? They go to Los Angeles, San Jose, Vancouver, and Phoenix. And isn't that going to or Arizona? And that will that will make a, a strong determination about what happens in, to their season. Do you think they will take more than two points out of the, those four games? Well, they had a good run out west last year. Uh, when they when they out, they took a game in L.A. If I recall correctly, and they had they were they were looking good, and then Bernier got hurt, I believe, in that stretch last year, and then and then they came back and lost in Washington, and then the whole season went well, down. Well, you're, you're making excuses of like the all all the Leaf fans, uh, right? And yeah. I'm a Leaf fan. I want the Leafs to win, yeah, but I, I'm a realist. I noticed you're, you're you've been paying a lot more time on uh, on a Leafs Nation blog site. Oh, they're lately. a great group, and when they lo- when they lose, oh boy, it's it's funny to to. Uh, Listen to them; it's really good. Anyways, well, we'll come back to that. Uh, certainly, we'll talk about your uh, your uh, your performance and your uh, presence on Leafs Nation's uh, blog site. I want to talk to talk to you about that because I know you've been quite vocal lately, Naz. But uh, we're going to go to break, and we'll be right back with uh, former Montreal Expo, former New York Met. legendary uh, baseball star, probably Canada's first baseball star. Uh, Major League Baseball star anyways, Le Grand Orange, Rusty Stop. We'll be right back after the break. It was a rainy day in Pizzaville when I got my fill. Ponzo Combo, Ponzo Combo. You get two Ponzerati with two toppings each, plus two big Pepsis, the deal is a peach. Ponzo Combo, Ponzo Combo. Just $13.99, that's low. For show, let's, whoa. Ponzo Combo, Ponzo Combo. Visit pizzaville.ca or call 736-3636. There's an old saying, 
Entrepreneurship doesn't build character, it reveals character. Entrepreneurs learn to trust a person by trusting people. The law firm Rigabon Carly understands this. They know all about entrepreneurs because they work for them. Every day, they've earned their trust. They know that when it comes to meeting the legal and business needs of entrepreneurs, good enough is not enough. Rigabon Carly, the intelligent choice. Steel's Paint in Woodbridge, an enormous 20,000 square foot superstore that carries nothing but the best. Superior staff, superior advice, superior selection, superior everything. When you have a really tough job to do, they can knock it down to size. They'll show you how to get it done right, and because they only sell the best of everything, you'll get it done to last. That means superior satisfaction. Steel's Paint, 4190 Steel's Avenue West in Woodbridge, the best. At Titanium Logistics, we believe that choosing the right shipping company comes down to two issues, price and cost. Most prices are competitive, will likely save you money too, but the cost of choosing the wrong company to service your cross-border freight to and from the U.S. and Mexico can be extraordinary. If it's not where it should be, when it should be, that bargain price, worthless. Titanium Logistics, on time, on budget. Call 905-266-3014. Ask for Blair Downey. This is Daryl Settler for Alt Infinity and Vaughn. Car buying made simple. That's what Alt Infinity is all about. No stress, no hassle, no nonsense. Just fun and easy and rewarding experience that will put you behind the wheel of a fabulous new or used Infinity. Expert sales staff, superior service, and the largest selection in Ontario. And the most competitive pricing anywhere. It's what makes Alt Infinity the captain's choice. Alt Infinity, Woodbridge.com, at the corner of Martin Grove and Highway 7. Striving to inspire you at every turn. You name it, they'll argue about it. No sport left unturned. The boys are back, the Naz and Wally Sports Hour, on Zuma Radio, the new AM740. It's in the air, way back in left. It's sending Rudy back to the wall, and it is gone. A home run for Rusty Stahl. Good morning, and welcome back to the Naz and Wally Sports Hour. That, of course, was an in. Uh, an unmistakable call, Rusty Staub, uh, Canada's first baseball star, and we're pleased to have Rusty with us this morning. Good morning, Rusty. How are you? Good morning, gentlemen. Thanks for thanks for coming on this morning. We really appreciate it. And how's uh, how are you doing these days? What's Rusty Staub up to? Well, I, I live down in West Palm Beach, Florida. I've been here a while. Um, I, you know, I'm still very involved in two foundations that are in New York City. Uh, I still work part-time for the Mets. I have um, aspirations to do some good things. That's fantastic. And we noticed uh, you were in the news again this week, Rusty. Uh, you're doing some remarkable work uh, in your foundation in New York and uh, helping out some of the New York pol- families of the New York policemen that we lost. And uh, tell us a little bit about your foundation and the fantastic work that it's doing. Well, the technical name of the New York Police and Fire Widows and Children's Benefit Fund, uh, you know, it's a long breath. But we have been in existence for 30 years, and that's something that, you know, just happened because 
two unfortunate officers were murdered. Uh, the foundation technically became a foundation in 1986. Uh, we have a picnic every year. We have a dinner every year. Uh, we try to raise money as best we can uh, through the course of a few other things that we do. Uh, and uh, whenever anybody dies in the line of duty and goes on the wall of valor and it's the criteria that's necessary. Um, you know, they initially get a check from our organization. Kind of feel like we're the first line of defense. Uh, if that happens tomorrow, police officer's family, or if it happens to be a, a police officer who is a female or, or family, because we do have two widowers, uh, we'll receive a check for $25,000 to make sure that there are no financial worries. Uh, through all the things that come up, you know, it takes the city and the state and everybody a little time to get that machine working to get everything churned out. So as soon as it's physically possible for us to hand them a check, we do. And uh, they participate in October and uh, split up with the money we raise every year so far. Uh, of late, uh, it's been about $4,000 a year goes to the 600-plus families that we help. So... We just keep plugging away. Uh, it's every widow has the same problem. Yeah. Trust me. That's uh, that's some fantastic work uh, you're doing, Rusty. And I know the you know the, the incredible work you did after 9/11 down in New York, and you've you've got a an incredible history of uh, of community uh, support and involvement. And we certainly applaud you for that. Uh, my co-host here and I were were uh, talking about. Uh, your, your days with the Montreal Expos this morning, and uh, we're old. Both of us are old enough to remember the first game that the Expos played, and uh, we were reminiscing about it. And we certainly have incredibly fond memories of uh, of your of your time in Montreal um, in the late sixties. Well, <laughs> in the late sixties, and your return to Montreal for for one season in the late seventies. Uh, going back to that time, Rusty. Uh, uh, tell us a little bit about the, the the day you actually found out that you had been traded from. I guess it was the Astros by then. They were the Colt, uh, the Colts prior to that. But uh, uh, you got traded to the Expos, and uh, what did uh, now? They were an expansion team. Tell us a little bit about the day you found out, and your and your and your thoughts at that time. Well, uh, the, the the main thought I had was I had a tremendous amount of respect for Gene Mock, and I know it was Gene Mock that went out to try to get me. So I knew I was going to have one of the best managers ever in the history of the game to, to work under. So in that aspect of it, I mean, obviously I didn't know how here I was playing in a dome stadium. I mean, the first time I left, it was about 78 degrees. And when I arrived in Montreal for the press conference, it was five below. So, I mean, you have different things that come up. And when they showed me Park Chari for the first time, it was just a, it was, snow and ice so uh, you were hoping that it was going to thaw i uh i just you know when you have all these different thoughts that run through your mind i you just have to go about living it and it turned out to be one of the greatest things that ever happened to me in my life uh, my relationship with the, the people especially of quebec and montreal was incredible and you know at that time there was no toronto blue jay so I mean, in the off season, I uh, would spend, you know, a couple of weeks around the Toronto area and all those areas, uh, 
little cities, uh, and we'd go way out west and visit all the big cities. It was a, a, a real giving back time. I, I really enjoyed it. Uh, I traveled the whole country and met a lot of great people. It was exciting times. Yeah, Rusty, you were uh, the main face of baseball for Canada back then. Uh, not only just Montreal, but Canada. Uh, we uh, Montreal Expos were Canada's team back then. Absolutely. And uh, um, how do, how were you treated by the people in Montreal? You were, uh, from what I understand, you were up there with uh, like the Henri Richards of the world and popularity as a as an athlete in Montreal. Uh, what was your reaction uh, to the first game you played? In Montreal? Well, it actually was a warm day. It was in the high 60s. Uh, it, it kind of shocked us. It was sunshiny. We played the Cardinals. Uh, we had opened against the Mets in New York and won our first game. But um, here we were going to play the Cardinals, and I don't even remember what took place. I do know that the city was alive, and I mean, it was a kind of an electric day, you know, for the, all of us. New fans of baseball. I mean, a lot of people are going to see the Royals play in the minor leagues, but this was a you know major league franchise, and it was a very accommodating ballpark. It was very close to the fans. Uh, over the course of the three seasons I played there to open up the, the franchise, it was it was incredible the things that took place in the stands. Yeah, the. The 1969 season um, was uh, an interesting one for the Expos. They opened. We, you guys opened up against the Mets. I remember coming home from school that day and watching the. Uh, you guys beat them ten nine, and you had Maury oh, Wills in your line. Eleven ten. Yeah, eleven ten. Yeah, it was eleven ten. Yeah, and you had some, uh, guys like Maury Wills in your lineup. Oh yeah, Maury didn't stay long. Uh, Maury wound up going with Manny Mota. To the Dodgers, and uh, we got Ron Fairley as our first baseman. As Don Clendenin went on to the Mets, and I think Steve Wrinkle and somebody else came from from the uh, Mets organization. But you know, the, the 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 big thing that stood out, you know, Gene Mark was a tough manager, and he demanded of you, and I didn't mind that at all. Uh, there were some people who could not play for Gene because he wasn't going to let you be milk toast, um, but he was. In my opinion, the the smartest man I ever met in baseball, and certainly, you know, over the course of his career, there were a lot of rules in baseball were changed because of his intellectual interpretation of what was going on. Uh, Rusty, I have to ask you. Um, I, I found it a bit surprising. Uh, uh, when I was uh, doing a little bit of research for this interview, that uh, uh, you hadn't made it to the Canadian Baseball Hall of Fame until until this year, which I, quite frankly, I found surprising. But I'm thankful that you are in the Canadian Baseball Hall of Fame, well deserved, uh, certainly because you you meant so much to a generation of baseball fans in Canada. And uh, tell us a little bit about uh, your induction into the Canadian Baseball Hall of Fame and what that meant to you. Uh, actually, the Canadian Baseball Hall of Fame, uh, I went to that event. Uh, that was about, uh, oh, I'm going to say three years ago, maybe. Um, I uh, it, it was a great thing. I saw Jim Fanning and a whole bunch of people that I hadn't seen forever. Uh, and it was it was a remarkable day. I think it was the Quebec Hall of Fame that I, I just was 
introduced to, and I was extremely disappointed not to be able to go. But uh, in fact, I'm doing great right now. But I did have a couple of procedures uh, during the course of uh, December and and uh, the latter part of November. I was you know not able to do anything, uh, so I, I I couldn't physically be there, but. Uh, a great friend of mine, uh, Claude Ramon, received the award for me and spoke for me. I talked to Claude and told him how honored I felt to be, you know, put into the Quebec Hall of Fame. And I, I, I just, you know, when I made the decision to try to study as much French as I could get in, you know, study baseball terms, study how to get around, read a menu, uh, all those different things, uh, it turned out to be something that the the fans, especially in Quebec, just appreciated the fact that I tried to be a part of them, and uh, our relationship was as good as it could be. Rusty, uh, speaking of menu, uh, you brought you. I I thought of something that I remember back uh, back when uh, you were a gourmet chef at one time. How is your cooking days right now? Well, uh, when you get older, that's one of the few <laughs> things in life you keep getting better at. <laughs> But I, uh, you know, I was in the restaurant business for 21 years, and uh, it's, it's a very competitive, wonderful, insane job to be an owner of a restaurant. But I, uh, after 21 years, I just decided that I was going to uh, do a few different things in my life, and that's when I was able to have the foundations grow. You know, the two foundations, the one we talked about, the Widows and Kids, and the other one under my name. Uh, benefits youth and fights hunger uh, for a long, long time now. Uh, we have had emergency food pantries throughout the New York area. You know, we do somewhere between 700,000 to a million meals a year. So uh, those two dedications have, you know, been, the, you know, when I got out of the restaurant business, I had time to make those things happen. And they mean as much to me as anything I ever did in baseball, for sure. Uh, we're talking to Rusty Staub this morning, legendary Montreal Expo and New York Met and uh, a couple other teams that you played for, Rusty. But uh, we, of course, remember you as a Montreal Expo uh, being in Canada more than anything else. And uh, baseball hasn't been in Montreal for a while. And uh, uh, Warren Cromarty is in the forefront of uh, something called the Montreal Baseball Project. And you're invited to uh, participate in the 2015 Expos Gala. Um, so there's certainly some movements afoot uh, to try and bring baseball back to Montreal. How realistic they may or may not be, uh, uh, time will tell. But tell us a little bit about your involvement uh, in this gala and uh, and with this project, Rusty. Well, Warren Cromarty called me and asked me to come. I said, Warren, that's a long way off. You know, I mean, I, I hope I can make that. Uh, we have worked very diligently on you know, how that's going to happen. Uh, they haven't got all the details figured out yet, but it, it, it looks as though I'm going to be able to do this. I, you know, I still uh, have doctors checking me out right now, and I'm uh, I'm feeling terrific. I, I haven't felt this good in a long time. So all I can say is I'm, I'm hoping that uh, what's going to take place in Montreal, I hope there's some financial strength to be able to have baseball consider Montreal again, because without having that uh, core financial strength, it's going to be difficult because they went through this once, you know, with baseball having to take over the franchise. Uh, 
So I'm praying that whoever is going to be involved is going to realize that this is, you know, it takes a lot of money to have a franchise. And I, there's no greater city that I know than Montreal. And I, I thought if they would have put that new stadium downtown, baseball would have, would have flourished again in Montreal. But that did not happen. Obviously, the provincial and federal governments are not interested in, 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 in making that happen because they did nothing to help. So we'll see what happens in the future. Uh, I, and it's such a shame for, you know, when the franchise moved to Washington, D.C., they decided, and maybe rightfully so, in their, in their view, to, to go back to talking about the Washington Senators. And the Montreal Expos just kind of dropped off the face of the earth, which is something all of us that played there and cared about that city and the franchise uh, were very disappointed in how that went down. There have been rumors in the past uh, couple of years of Tampa Bay moving to uh, the American League, to Montreal, and having Montreal play in the American League. And I think the rivalry between Montreal and Toronto would be tremendous, especially when they would play each other quite a bit. It would be an amazing bit of a baseball, for sure, with Toronto and Montreal there. Your opinion on I, that? I, I totally agree. I, you know, I mean... Uh... I have nothing against Tampa Bay, but uh, they have not been able to support that franchise in any form, even though they've had some great years. Um, I Nothing would please me more than for the Expos to be able to bring Major League Baseball back to the great city of Montreal. Uh, Rusty, uh, one last uh, one last question uh, we want to ask you. It's it's Baseball Hall of Fame induction, uh, not induction week, but the the baseball writers' votes will be announced for the 2015 induction. Uh, you're you're a former uh, former broadcaster. Uh, any strong opinions on uh, some of the inductees? Uh, specifically, uh, we've been promoters. We talked to Tim Raines this summer. Uh, we've been vocal that we think he should be in the Hall of Fame. Uh, we've also got some strong opinions about Pete Rose and some of the uh, Clemens and Bonds, the performance enhancers. Any any strong opinions on, on, on those votes and those inductions? Look, I keep getting phone calls every year, people telling me I should be there too. So I just keep my mouth shut. I have nothing to do with it. Uh, I'm happy for the guys that make it. Uh, I I feel sorry for the guys that are not elected because there are some people, obviously, that should be in the Hall of Fame that are not, and only time is going to tell. Uh, I'm not smart enough to say what the rules should be and who should vote how, but I, um, I, I do hope that justice is done. And we'll leave it at that. That's a, a pretty telling comment. We've been talking to Rusty Staub, Le Grand Orange, Canada's, in our opinion, Canada's first baseball star and uh, talking to you rusty has really brought back some fantastic memories for us we were certainly big fans of you in uh, in uh, when we were growing up and we have extremely fond memories of you in the montreal expos and jerry park and in fact our next guest uh, right after our break is dave van horn legendary montreal uh, expos yeah, broadcaster dave for me he's a great guy he's, he is and rusty we thank you so much we know you've uh, you're battling you have battled some some issues in terms of health and uh, we certainly wish you all the best and uh, uh, and have a fantastic 2015 thanks so much for coming on all right guys i feel great thanks thank rusty that was uh, Rusty Staub, leg- legendary Montreal Expo. Certainly uh, was uh, was a lot of fun talking to him again this morning, Naz. It uh, sure was. He's, uh, 
some great memories. He does some great work for New York. I yeah. didn't know he was that involved. Yeah. That's tremendous. Some great memories of some Montreal Expo teams and one of my personal... Coco LaBoy. Coco LaBoy. John Bacabella was, uh, was, was one the, of my the Montreal, personal favorites. The Montreal announcer pronounced it the Italian way. He said, Bucabella, which is beautiful okay. mouth. Anyways, uh, we'll, be, uh, we'll be right back after the break, live on the Nazimoli Sports Hour with Dave Van Horn. It was a rainy day in Pizzaville when my wife accused me of having an affair. How could I tell her that I was hopelessly in love with extra thin crust pizza from Pizzaville? I didn't ask for this to happen. It was so thin, so delicate, so delicious. I can't bear to share it with my wife. She wants me to see a counsellor, but I don't want to share it with him either. Call Pizzaville for an extra thin crust pizza at 736-3636. At 20,000 square feet, Steel's Paint and Woodbridge is Canada's largest independent paint store. Big deal, right? Big deal, yes. The best brands, the best staff, the best advice, the best of everything. From color matching to brand selection, whether you're a pro or a DIYer, we'll look after you from the minute you walk in to the minute you walk in a second time as a completely satisfied customer. Big store, big deal, bigger satisfaction. Simple. Steel's Paint, 4190 Steel's Avenue West in Woodbridge. At Titanium Logistics, we believe that choosing the right shipping company comes down to two issues, price and cost. Most prices are competitive, will likely save you money too, but the cost of choosing the wrong company to service your cross-border freight to and from the U.S. and Mexico can be extraordinary. If it's not where it should be, when it should be, that bargain price, worthless. Titanium Logistics, on time, on budget. Call 905-266-3014. Ask for Blair Downey. This is Daryl Settler for Alt Infinity and Vaughn. Car buying made simple. That's what Alt Infinity is all about. No stress, no hassle, no nonsense. Just fun and easy and rewarding experience that will put you behind the wheel of a fabulous new or used Infinity. Expert sales staff, superior service, and the largest selection in Ontario. And the most competitive pricing anywhere. It's what makes Alt Infinity the captain's choice. Alt Infinity, Woodbridge.com, at the corner of Martin Grove and Highway 7. Striving to inspire you at every turn. There's an old saying, entrepreneurship doesn't build character, it reveals character. Entrepreneurs learn to trust a person by trusting people. The law firm Rigabon Carly understands this. They know all about entrepreneurs because they work for them. Every day, they've earned their trust. They know that when it comes to meeting the legal and business needs of entrepreneurs, good enough is not enough. Rigabon Carly, the intelligent choice. The Naz and Wally Sports Hour is a paid program. Opinions expressed on the show are those of Naz and Wally and their guests. The only thing I love more than sports is sports radio. Take it away, boys. The Naz and Wally Sports Hour on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. Willie drew a walk in the first inning, batting 273 with 2,999 career hits. Giants leading 5-0, two outs in the second. Here's the pitch. Swung on, ground ball, base hit, there it is! A base hit to left field on a ground ball, and Willie Mays has his career 3,000. Listen to the crowd. The game is being stopped. 
Chuck Feeney, the president of the National League, is the first out to shake the hand of Willie Mays. Ron Fairley presented him with the ball and shook his hand. Stan Musial is there. Stan the man is there. Carl Hubble's out there. The entire Giants team is there. Monty Irving representing the commissioner's office is out there. This game has been stopped as Willie Mays is surrounded by his teammates. There is a just a battery of photographers there taking pictures of Mays. There must be 25, 30 photographers on the field. That, of course, welcome back to the Naz and Wally Sports Hour, live from Liberty Village in downtown Toronto. That is, of course, the unmistakable voice of legendary Hall of Fame, Baseball Hall of Fame Ford, uh, broadcaster Dave Van Horn. We're pleased to have Dave with us this morning. Good morning, Dave. Hey, guys. How are you doing up there? We're doing fantastic. The weather's not the best here this morning. I'm sure it's a lot better where you are. Thanks so much. Uh, and, and please uh, send us some weather, Dave. We'd, we'd appreciate it. Uh, yeah, very nice uh, morning here in Florida. We're going to have a temperature up in the 80s today. Oh, oh that sounds fantastic. Anyways, we want to wish you best regards from Rusty Staub. He, uh, he was our interviewee just prior to this, and uh, he passes along his regards to you, Dave. Excellent. Uh, we've been friends for a long, long time, going way back to 1969. And, uh, of course, you are uh, now the voice of the, uh, I guess it's the Miami Marlins, uh, no longer the Florida Marlins, but uh, you're now the, the voice of the Marlins. But uh, for us up here in Toronto and Canada, you will always be the voice of the Montreal Expos. Uh, you did. Uh, you started off with them from day one and spent over 30 years with the Expos, a legendary broadcaster, um, member of the Hall of F- Baseball Hall of Fame, Canadian Baseball Hall of Fame. Uh, this week, uh, we're getting the votes for the Baseball Hall of Fame down in Cooperstown. And tell us a little bit about your recollections of that uh, great day when you were uh, voted into the Baseball Hall of Fame. Well, it was uh, 2011 uh, when I was the winner of the Ford C. Trick Award, and uh, it was just a, a very thrilling moment, one of the one of the finest, uh, happiest, uh, and surprising moments uh, of, of my career, certainly when I got a call from the president of the National Baseball Hall of Fame, Jeff Idelson, and uh, he gave me a heads up that uh, in just a couple of hours from that phone call, it was in December, uh, at the uh, winter meetings up in Orlando that Jeff made the call to me and he said, can you come up to Orlando? And I said, uh, what's going on? He said, well, we're going to announce that you're uh, going to be honored by the Baseball Hall of Fame with the Ford C. Frick Award and we'd like to have you up here for it. I was just absolutely speechless. So it was, uh, it was, it was a wonderful, uh, wonderful time. Uh, that whole process from the time I was named until the time I was uh, uh, in Cooperstown the next summer, and uh, it, it, it was an unforgettable experience for me and for my family. Uh, we had a lot of family there attending, so that was an absolute thrill, uh, as it was this past summer when I got the call from the uh, Canadian Baseball Hall of Fame. So I've been very fortunate, and I, I, I say glibly, if you hang around long enough, people will uh, make some presentations to you, but uh, there's no higher honor for a broadcaster in baseball than to be honored by uh, the Hall of Fame and to be honored by both the Cooperstown uh, folks and uh, the St. Mary's, the Canadian Baseball Hall of Fame. It was just uh, an absolute thrilling time for me. Dave, we uh, we have three guys on the uh, ballot uh, 
One, it's been there for a while, Tim Raines. And the other two, uh, I mean, Randy Johnson had a cup of coffee with Montreal, but Pedro Martinez was one heck of a pitcher, too. Um, tell me a bit about the three of them. Well, when when Randy came along, uh, of course, I, I always use the expression, he was not yet Randy Johnson when he was with the, uh, Montreal. Uh, he took his big step forward after going to the Seattle Mariners. Um, you know, Randy was uh, a very shy guy. He was he was not easy to to get to know his brief time uh, with Montreal. We knew that he held great promise. Had no idea that he would uh, go on to a Hall of Fame Cy Young career at that time. But uh, uh, even way back then, uh, when we would go out on the road, I can remember I would always see Randy with a camera. And uh, to this day, he, it, it's his uh, number one hobby. He's he's a wonderful photographer. He's had exhibits uh, in all kinds of uh, uh, museums and, and and cities all across uh, North America. And and I remember that about him as much as I do the the pitching aspect. Because as I said, we we didn't get to see him very long before he was dealt uh, uh, from the major league level uh, to Seattle. But I remember. Uh, Randy, being pretty much of a loner, uh, stayed to himself, but he loved walking the, the cities that uh, we went to in the National League then and, and taking photographs back then. And uh, That was my uh, fondest early memory uh, of Randy Johnson. And as I said, uh, none of us had any idea. We knew that he had a chance to be really good because he could throw so hard. But uh, back in those days, of course, Randy didn't always know where the ball was going to go. Uh, more often than not, back in those early years, but uh, a, a, a good person and a marvelous baseball talent, and uh, should be a uh, will be a, a first ballot Hall of Famer. Um, uh, yeah, and let's see. You wanted to talk Tim, to also Pedro about and Tim Raines. Yeah. Well, Pedro established himself really as an uh, as a, a dominant starting pitcher in Major League Baseball. With the Expos, even though he wasn't signed and brought up through the system, he was obtained in a trade with the Los Angeles Dodgers, and and uh, we we saw Pedro uh, mature and develop into uh, into the star that he became uh, uh, with Montreal and won his first Cy Young uh, with Montreal, and of course that was his last year, so we didn't even get to see the uh, Cy Young presentation with Pedro, but we saw the development, we saw him become uh, the dominant starting pitcher. And certainly another uh, first ballot Hall of Famer. I think too that uh, uh, it should always be mentioned that while he had uh, many pitching coaches along the way, probably no one was more instrumental in uh, the development of Pedro as a starting pitcher uh, and as a major leaguer than uh, Felipe Alou. And uh, you've certainly seen every single great. Montreal Expo player that ever played uh, Dave uh, and Tim Raines. We had him on the show in 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 July, and we talked to him. Uh, we've been making the case that that he should be in the Hall of Fame. Uh, your thoughts on Tim Raines and your recollections of him as a baseball well, player? I, I, Tim, uh, one of one of my all time favorites. Um, I remember this past summer in St. Mary's talking with Tim Wallach at length about Tim Raines, and Wallach and I and a lot of other people are on the same page that Tim Raines, the Rock, should be a Hall of Famer. Um, a seven-time All-Star, carved out a 23-year career, but perhaps more importantly than the fact that he played for 23 years would be the fact that 
during the 1980s, he was the most dominant leadoff man and stolen base player in the major leagues. Uh, I kind of chuckle when I think back to a couple of years ago at Cooperstown talking to Ricky Henderson about Tim Raines, and Henderson joked that uh, he said, uh, he said, The Rock, he was, he was Ricky after I was Ricky. <laughs> and uh, in, in that regard, uh, I, I knew exactly where Henderson was coming from. Henderson sort of, in a, in a way, passed the baton to, uh, uh, to Tim Raines. Uh, with the Expos, uh, 1979 through 89, he, he played in uh, over 1,450 games. And um, he led the National League in stolen bases four uh, years in a row. Um, four times he led the National League. He was a batting champion. Um, he led the league in runs scored a couple of times. He was uh, a seven-time All-Star. And he was a dominant player, a game-changer in the league at that time, and and whenever a game was on the line, and uh, and and Tim Raines uh, came up and 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 got on base, he, he was a game changer and a and a feared player because of his speed and his ability to to manufacture runs almost by himself. I think that Tim Raines does belong in the Hall of Fame. Some of the numbers concerning uh, Tim are 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 really uh, amazing. You know that he since you talked to him, I'm sure you're aware that he's number five on the all-time stolen base list behind Ricky and Blue Brock and uh, the first Billy Hamilton way back <laughs> in the turn yeah. of the century and Ty Cobb. Um, 77th on the all-time hits list with uh, 2,600, over 2,600 hits. Uh, I had the number here. I think it was 2,605. Does that sound right to you? That sounds pretty right. close. Any, anyway, uh, what I did uh, back during this past season I made a list of some of the people uh, that that Tim Raines, during the course of his career, uh, went on to to uh, amass total number of hits more than uh, Reggie Jackson, Ernie Banks, uh, Richie Ashburn, Joe Morgan, Ducky Medwick. These are all Hall of Famers. Uh, Ozzie Smith, Pie Trainer, Mickey Mantle, um, Ryan Sandberg. Uh, the, the the great Carlton Fisk, all of these Hall of Famers, and, and Rock had more hits, total career hits, than any of them. And not to diminish their Hall of Fame careers, just to strengthen the case for uh, Tim Raines. He had more hits than Kirby Puckett and Eddie Matthews and Ron Santo and Mike Schmidt. Of course, different kind of hitter there, but still, he had more hits than Joe DiMaggio. Uh, and- had a better on-base percentage than Willie Mays. You, you're, you're talking to the convinced, uh, of course. So, you're... I, I know that I'm, I'm, uh, I'm preaching to, to the choir here. Yeah. Uh, but to the, to the fans that just may not know exactly where Reigns uh, ranked, that's, uh, I, I wanted to bring that up uh, and, because the numbers are, the numbers are just uh, terrific for Reigns, and, and it's easy to make a case for him. You don't have to stretch um, uh, the imagination at all to make a, a very strong case for Tim Reigns uh, to be uh, inducted into the Baseball Hall of Fame. Yeah, and uh, of course, talking to uh, legendary uh, Montreal and uh, Miami Marlin, Montreal Expo, Miami Marlin broadcaster, Dave Van Horn, Hall of Fame member. Just going very quickly back to Tim Raines. When we spoke to Tim Raines 
and we made the point that uh, not, not, all of the things you just said, it was his remarkable, remarkable ability to get on base and to move around the bases, which created havoc for the for the other teams. And they were, you know, him and Ricky were the two great leadoff men of the of the 1980s. And we asked Tim Raines that question: uh, Are the days of the leadoff men uh, gone? And uh, like, who who today in today's baseball epitomizes? Uh, Tim Raines or, or Ricky Henderson, and we just we sort of drew a blank. Uh, in in that sense, has the game changed? Is is the day of the great leadoff hitter of Tim Raines and Ricky Henderson gone, Dave? Well, I, I think uh, number one in in baseball in general, there's a great uh, uh, emphasis now on on base percentage. Uh, I don't think. Uh, having uh, a good on-base percentage man and speed at the top of the batting order has ever hurt any team. Every team looks for that. Uh, but to have the caliber of players that we're talking about, Henderson, uh, Reigns, and, and, and some of the other great leadoff hitters that this game has had over, over, over the course of the years, they certainly have been the exception. And, uh, and and right now, as as you all know, every team's looking for power. Power is down. Uh, pitching is up. Uh, even when Tim Raines broke into the league, you might have had one or two starting pitchers, if you were lucky, that threw in the low 90s. And most bullpens had maybe one guy uh, that was able to throw 91, 92, 93 miles an hour. Now it's the standard. If you can't throw 90 or 91, very few pitchers, the, the old crafty left-handers and right-handers that threw in the mid-80s consistently, they're by far and away a very small minority now. Every team, every starter throws in the mid-90s. You get into the bullpen, they're all throwing somewhere from the mid-90s up to 100 miles an hour. Uh, so that aspect of the game has changed. And it's affected both the power and the ability for uh, uh, people to, to, to get on base. So has the game changed in that regard? Yeah, we're not seeing the dominant uh, leadoff men in, in the numbers that we saw there for uh, uh, those years. Certainly the years that, uh, that I broke in my first 20 years, they call it, call it the 70s and 80s. That began in 1969, but uh, you know, the 70s and 80s, it was, uh, it was different then. Dave, how good were the 1994 Expos? Well, they were, uh, in, in my mind and a lot of people's minds, uh, certainly the best team in baseball. Uh, the, the, the 1994 team was just awesome. Uh, and as the season went on, uh, they became more and more dominant. Uh, and you said how good was the, the 94 team? That's exactly what they were, a team. They all accepted the fact that while some went on to become uh, big stars in the game, uh, in, in 1994, uh, they played as a team. Uh, there was no one dominant player, but as a group, they were just terrific. And one of the reasons was they all bought into that philosophy. They played uh, certainly as a, as a team. And... Uh, when that devastating uh, strike came about in, in August of, of, of 94 and that team had the rug pulled out from under it, it was, uh, it was just uh, a terrible, terrible time for not only for that team but for, for Montreal 
and uh, to, to my mind, for baseball in Canada. And uh, certainly, while there were problems before 1994, uh, none matched uh, the quick slide of the franchise. Uh, more so than those years after 1994. Dave, Dave uh, did, uh, and of course we're talking to Dave Van Horn, the unmistakable voice of uh, Dave Van Horn. Uh, did the 94 strike kill baseball in Montreal? I, I think it went a long way. Uh, it was a double-edged sword. At the, at the same time period, Montreal was trying to get a, a baseball-only downtown uh, retractable roof stadium built uh, just down below the, the Bell Center. Uh, they'd taken out uh, uh, an option on a, on a terrific piece of land there. And I remember at the time, uh, one of the sales points was that, 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 that maybe some of the politicians that didn't care that much about baseball didn't think Montreal needed baseball. But baseball needed the Montreal spirit and the excitement of downtown Montreal. And they needed to tap into that and get out of that uh, Olympic Stadium, which never served baseball well. Uh, there were a period of years, four or five years in the early 80s, late 79, early 80s, with terrific teams on the field where over two million fans were going down there. But uh, for the long haul, it never worked well uh, as, a, as a ballpark. It took its toll on players, just ask Andre Dawson, uh, because of the, the terrible playing surface itself. And there was nothing else around Olympic Stadium down there. It, it, it was not a hub, a center of entertainment that, that really drew fans. The good teams of the early 80s were the reason the fans were out there. And uh, certainly, again, in, in 1994, had they continued uh, that season, uh, attendance was on the rise, and they might well have gotten uh, to that 2 million mark again in, in 94. So, yes, it was absolutely devastating. And the, the, the city and, and the fans never recovered from that. There's a core of fans that want to get uh, baseball, uh, of course, back in, in, into Montreal. But that was the opportunity to, uh, to extend the exciting interest in baseball. Had, the, had that season played out, I'm, there's no doubt in my mind that that was, would have brought a World Series to Montreal. And the way that team was playing, uh, probably a World Series victory. So... That's all wishful thinking now. It's all uh, in the past. It didn't happen. But to answer your question, did that uh, put the final nail in the coffin, as the expression goes? Uh, more than likely. Dave, uh, speaking of your time with the Marlins, you called a couple of World Series, I guess, and uh, wanted to talk to you about the Jays and Marlins trade of uh, two years ago. How are the guys doing from uh, the Blue Jays on the Marlins team? Echeverria well, and uh, uh, Danny Echeverria is uh, just a, a, an outstanding uh, uh, major league shortstop, and he's still young. He's a very exciting player. Um, the 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 Expos, uh, the, uh, the the Marlins, and the Jays in getting together to put those a multiple player deal, as you know. Uh, I don't have that in in front of me right now, but I do know that uh, Henderson Alvarez has already uh, stepped up to, to become uh, one of the front-end starters for, uh, for the Marlins. He's pitched a, a, a no-hit game. He's a very exciting player to watch. Um, Adani Echevarria plays a sparkling shortstop every day, day in, day out. Never seen, I've seen a lot of good shortstops over the years, including some that have gone on uh, to the Hall of Fame. 
But I've never seen a, a, a shortstop uh, as naturally talented at the position than Adani Echeverria. He's still got a ways to go with the bat uh, to be the, the complete all-around star player that, uh, that, that we see him becoming. But uh, certainly with the glove, I've never seen a shortstop that can make as many accurate throws from as many different body positions going to his right, to his left, or straight back than Adani Echeverria. He's a marvelous athlete and very exciting to watch. We get to see him every single day. And uh, uh, so he is, an, he is an absolute delight. And then, of course, I've already mentioned Henderson Alvarez. So those two in particular. Now, uh, on a much uh, different kind of a, a player, our backup catcher, Jeff Mathis, was also obtained from uh, the Blue Jays. While the bulk of his career was spent as an angel, he went to the Jays and then came uh, to the Marlins. And he is one of the top clubhouse leaders. He has brought terrific veteran leadership to our clubhouse. Uh, he means a lot to his teammates. Uh, he's uh, adopted that leadership role. And while Jeff has always been an outstanding defensive receiver, uh, he's never hit much, but it's a uh, testimony to his career well over a decade now uh, that a player who hits uh, barely over 200 can stay in the big leagues that long. But he stays there for two reasons, the intangibles, his leadership ability, and his defensive skills behind the plate. Dave, uh, unfortunately, I'm going to have to interrupt you. We're out of time. We're, we're, we're getting out of time, and uh, I, 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 I've only gotten through probably half of a list of things, topics I wanted to talk to you about. So certainly we'd love to have you back on the show uh, in the near future, certainly when baseball starts up again. Listen, we've been talking to the uh, unmistakable voice of Dave Van Horn, up, up, and away, El Presidente, El Producto, uh, deserved Hall of Fame member, uh, fantastic broadcaster, so many great memories again, Dave, and... uh, uh, please uh, ship some of that great weather up to uh, up to Toronto. We could use it. You got it, guys, and uh, I'm happy to go on with you anytime you want to talk baseball, whether it's Love it. uh, the Miami Marlins or the Expos or whatever. Uh, uh, happy to visit with you. Thanks so thanks, much, Dave. Appreciate it. That, of course, right, guys, was have a good weekend. thanks, Dave. That, of course, was Dave Van Horn, the uh, voice of the Expos for over 30 years. Certainly, some great memories there, Naz. We've got a minute and a half left, so we're going to have to do some rapid fire. Uh, World Junior Tournament, is Canada going to win? Yes. Um, Sweden. Sweden. They're going to beat Sweden in the final. Yeah. Uh, the NFL playoffs, uh, where, where do you line up? Steelers are out. Steelers are out. Okay, and yeah. well, <laughs> keep going. It sure looks to me like it's going to be New England. I don't like that team, but it sure looks to me like it's going to be the Patriots on one side and... And I still think Green Bay is going to pull through. Pete Rose, should he be in the Hall of Fame? Absolutely no question. I agree with you 100% there, and we certainly want Should to... Randy Carlisle be fired? Uh, we'll talk about that a little bit. Uh, let's, yes. let's not get carried away here, Naz. Uh, we'll, we'll have that discussion. Uh, NCAA Oregon and Ohio State going to the, to the final. I'm a big Ohio State fan. I've got my Ohio State scarf with me this morning. Uh, certainly your Alabama... Team, uh, yeah, they, they put up, do. they put up, a, they put up a good fight, yeah, but uh, you know, they, didn't happen. Ohio State dominated that game. They should have won by more. Yeah, uh, they they certainly played well. Leafs, uh, we hoping that they turn it around this week, and the Raptors are not in first place anymore. So hopefully by this time next week, uh, 
We'll have a little bit of a turnaround. They'll be back in first place in the, in, in the conference. And everybody, 76 days till spring. 76. Just think of that today. Anyways, uh, have a safe drive home, Naz. I'll certainly be driving a little bit safer. To all our listeners, have a fantastic week, and we'll, uh, we'll be here again next Sunday morning at 9 a.m. Thanks so much for listening. The Naz and Wally Sports Hour is a paid program. Opinions expressed on the show are those of Naz and Wally and their guests. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.